Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome, greater world, to the podcast for this wonderful week leading up to Sunday, February 19th, a.k.a. the last Sunday after the Epiphany Year A. So this is it, everyone. We are excited to be back this week to talk about the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. Jumping ahead. But before we get to the gospel discussion, we have a special we do. God sighting, Charlotte, from our friend and former guest on the podcast. He's sitting right here. He is our producer. He makes the show happen every week, records it, edits it, makes my bellows softer, <laughs> <laughs> takes away the buzz, you yes. know? Yes. He well, and I was going all. to say unseen, and yet nobody sees us, unless this person actually takes a video clip right. of us. He's the one behind the camera. Mm-hmm. You know him. You love him. Greg Tuttle is going to be giving us a special God sighting for this week on the podcast. So, Greg, would you share your God sighting with us, please? David, thank you so much for that magnificent introduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're talking about the transfiguration, I have this wonderful God sighting and an incredible moment from this last weekend's diocesan youth retreat at Camp Stevens. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful place to be transformed, not so much to be transfigured. It is on a mountaintop, though. It is on a mountaintop. Right. And one of the things that I was talking about is how how is it that we can take the camp experience back into the real world? How can we make there more like here is what the language was at the time. This was immediately following this wonderful high that this dad was having while his son was on the ropes course. And this particular element was an incredible thing whereby you're completely supported. And there's a lot of communication with the belay team, with other people. But what the point is, is that you get to climb to the top of a 30-foot telephone pole. Mm. Find your balance at the top of that, and it's swaying every which direction. And once at the top of that, finding your space, getting your footing, and then jumping Uh toward a trapeze. In the cable directly above where you are standing is a trapeze, like you would see in the da-da-dum-ba-dum. It's a wonderful circus. Uh This particular student had gotten to the top, and he was wobbling all over the place. And then when he found his space, he grounded himself, he counted down. All right, everybody ready for this? Because the belay team has to really make sure that he has enough space Mm -hmm. to leap of faith Mm -hmm. out into midair. He just leaps out there. And his dad, who is on the ground at this whole time, looking up and seeing this wonderful thing that his son is doing. And he gets to this point, he leaps off and grabs the thing. And everybody cheers. And his dad lights up in a way that the rest of his team doesn't. You know, he's lowered down by the belay team and the team comes over and everybody's congratulating him, patting him on the back. And then he gets unhooked from his multi-point harness, walks over to his dad and has the biggest hug. And the dad has this wonderful smile. This is my son, Mm -hmm. my beloved. In you, I'm well pleased. And that just all exuded from this face. It was a glorious thing. Thanks, Greg. So this past weekend um, was our annual Epiphany Retreat for Uh students in grades 6 through 12. Uh It's always amazing. Truthfully, camp is amazing. Uh This retreat is over the top. This year, we had 59 of us up there, which is actually larger than we were 
before the pandemic hit. Mm. So last year we had gone back and we had an experience. We were able to do it safely and to be together. And it was smaller. Mm -hmm. I actually thought we were going to be several years of building back. And instead this year, like the Holy Spirit moved through all of this and we had 59 of us up there. Mm -hmm. And in super exciting news, this is you people will be the first to hear it, our podcast listeners. Do we have a breaking news sound? We do. We do. We have booked the entire camp for next year. So it is an entire camp takeover for the youth of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Incredible. I know. For Epiphany. Mm Mm-hmm. As you were saying, Greg, they were up on the mountain. They were taking, trying to take camp back with you. I was thinking, Peter wants to put up tents. It is so camp-like. It's incredible. It's just like pretty much Camp Stevens up there. Uh-huh. Weird. Thank you again, Greg, for sharing. Thank you, Charlotte, for the update. And you heard it here first, folks, breaking news on the pod. We would always love to hear from you all. Again, if you would like to share any of your God sightings, uh, maybe a question or a comment or a story from your week of faith discussion and reflection, we'd love to hear from you. There's lots of ways of getting in contact with us. You can find all those listed in the podcast description for this episode. And now we're going to move on to our gospel discussion. Charlotte is going to read it, and then I'll have a little bit of context. Then we'll each have a point. So the reading for this morning is Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. All right. So they are not allowed to break news about this. Okay. It would be cool if Jesus was a transformer. Uh, Jesus is a transformer, breaking news, and he transforms into three people. That's his transformer thing. Transforms from one person to three people. I'm just going to give a little context because we're, in, we're jumping, we're jumping, we're jumping people because we were in Matthew chapter 5 again in the Sermon on the Mount. And now we're on a mount also again, but this is a lot of things have happened since the last time we were, we were with Jesus on a mountain. He's moved around a lot. He's been doing a lot of teaching. This is like 12 chapters later. Jesus has been moving around the region of Galilee, kind of even outside of that region into some other lands and territories, and he's been going around the Sea of Galilee. This is actually just after the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew. That's in chapter 16, I think. This is the beginning of chapter 15. And then Jesus starts talking about, in chapter 16, he's going to have to go to Jerusalem, that he's going to be persecuted, he's going to have to die and come back. He has this interaction with Peter in chapter 16, where Peter says, no, 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 that can't be you. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Sorry, Peter. And then this is chapter 17. So we are jumping ahead to the second half of of Matthew's gospel. 
but we're still in the same region of Galilee. He hasn't gone down to Jerusalem yet, but he's starting to talk about that eventuality. Well, I guess he says that then, you can't tell anybody until the Son of Man is raised. That shouldn't be a surprise to them, because he's already been telling them that he's going to die and you know come back and things like that. So they're still trying to wrap their heads around that reality. And that's where we are. Charlotte, do you have the first point? I do. I also think that you just highlighted a new teaching point for Trinity Sunday. Oh. Jesus is a transformer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what the Trinity is about. Actually. I don't know that anybody has actually ever preached about that, but <laughs> maybe if someone's working on a sermon. Uh-huh. So as I was thinking about this gospel... And I read through it a couple of different times this week. And then I had a lived experience this past weekend of being at camp. And camp is a place of transformation for so many people, me as well. And what we are talking about here is transfiguration, slightly different. And yet what I kept coming to in this is the way that we respond to those type of events. And it can be a lot of different things. We can respond to awe, which is, I think, a lot of what was happening here. In fact, they say it, right? Like a response to awe is happening in there. But we also can respond to any situation that seems big or overwhelming with a tendency to define it in a specific way, to put it in a box or a container. And specifically in this instance, I'm thinking about how that's Peter's reaction, is that when he sees this, his, his reaction is, this is it. This is what Jesus is like. Mm-hmm. He has now been transfigured. And thus and evermore, we shall have these tents where we shall mm-hmm. put Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and, and that is what this is. And I know we've talked on the podcast before about how like we have to come down from the mountaintop and go back down into the valley and do that. And yet what I was thinking about this time was less about that, about our temptation to stay in this place of awe, and more about our temptation to name something as a singular thing, mm-hmm. and specifically God in this instance. And so it can be that we have this awe-inspiring experience of Jesus's transfiguration, and we have the voice from the clouds, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately following it, we get this very tender Jesus who physically reaches out and touches his disciples, almost as a reminder of his humanity and his deep connection to them. And to be like, we are still here. We are still walking together. There is still work to do. Before he even says, and don't talk about this, right? Like the first thing he does is reconnect with them, which draws them from this place of awe and centers them in the relationship that they have with Jesus. And yet, if my temptation would be, well, that is the more tangible relationship then, right? Like this, this physical relationship and connection that they have with Jesus, but then I'm putting Jesus in a container as well. And Jesus, throughout the gospel, he has shown himself to be a table flipper, to be a miracle worker, to be a teacher, to be a son to God and to Mary, to be a companion on the road to his disciples, to be a truth teller to people who are in power. Like I could sit here probably for the entire 25 minutes of our podcast and name all of the different ways in which Jesus relates to the world and and fill the whole podcast just with that. And so what am I saying about Jesus and about God if I determine which one of those things is the most important thing, is the real and true thing? 
it's harmful. And it's not just harmful for me to try to limit God in that way, but it also becomes harmful for others. Because when I put God in a box, I'm going to tell people about that that box that I have built for God, and I'm going to describe God as God fits into that container that I have predetermined is for God. And then that changes the way that other person relates to God as well. It doesn't allow room for the glorious expansiveness of what God is, and it doesn't allow room for each individual person to be seen as a beloved child of God in their own right. Because I've determined what God is and what God likes and what God loves and who God is going to be in relationship with. And so it's such an important reminder for me that in those moments when I feel connected and in those moments when I feel separated from God and from others, that I have to find a way to breathe into that space and to create room for myself to see God as bigger than what that experience was. Uh-huh. <laughs> I keep thinking about Jesus bringing these three disciples up just so, just to have this like terrifying voice be like, just listen to him, please. Yeah. You guys, I need this with my children. I need someone, I need to have an, ex- I need to take them up on a mountain. Mm, Camp Stevens. So that a loud, loud voice can be like, please listen to your father. Mm. Please listen to your parents. It's amazing this thing about it like that. I really love that point. And I'm, I was I was struck by this similar thing, just thinking about that, like the the multiplicity of identities of of all people of all of us. You know that Jesus is this like stand-in for humanity. That He is revealing something to us about who we are, about who all people are, and not just Him. And I love this that like yes, we talk about we talk about this, and Matthew's clearly you know clearly trying to push the symbolism of Jesus, you know, holding within himself all the laws and the prophets with Elijah and Moses. We've talked about this before. Similar to thinking about like how Jesus last, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, it was with Bishop Susan where he said, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, you know. And then we talked about how like that means embodiment, like, and he is like literally embodying the law and the prophets. He is holding them together within himself. And that's how he's like completing them, pouring his whole, his whole self into them and filling them up. And, and, and then God is saying, listen, because like, he's trying to tell them, you know, how to embody the, the law and the prophets in new ways and, and create new ways forward and imagine new ways of being in community. And I think that's really it is kind of this through line of imagination, trying to, like you're saying, like keeping open the possibilities for new realities to emerge, you know, for new ideas, for new ways of believing how God can move and with whom God can dwell, you know, and, and with whom God can be in relationship and and who is revealing truth about God to us. Um, and so I'm thinking about this and, and about just like beyond just this idea of like the law and the prophets, it's like Jesus is showing what we see here is like is how Jesus holds within himself the like hopes of his people. He is the fulfillment, the product, the current iteration of his ancestors. He holds within himself all the people that came before him. You know, Matthew and uh, Luke start with these important ancestries, and it's like Jesus is holding all these people. 
He's holding the hopes of the laws and the prophets, the things that they wanted for everyone, the things that they wanted for his community that he wants for his community. And he is just made up of this multiplicity of people, this multiplicity of hope and longing and desire, you know, and even... Even like you said, he's like this kind, this like gentle guy on the mountaintop. And then right after this, he goes down and finds out the disciples haven't been able to cure someone with epilepsy. And he's like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and so it's like, even in him, he carries hope and frustration. He carries hope and hopelessness, <laughs> you know? He's like, how much longer am I going to have to be here with you people? And so, I mean, I just, I love this because it, he is, he is so so authentically expressing his complication, mm. the complexity of what it is to be a person, that an identity isn't something that is singular, but a multiplicity of parts, of hopes and desires and wants and needs and actions and inactions. He's not only expressing, like you're saying, revealing something about God and asking them to not put God in boxes, but he's, he's revealing something about what it is to be a human. Mm-hmm. that to be a human is to be this multiplicity. It's to be made up of all these hopes and desires of, of our ancestors, of our community, of our peoples, of our families, what, we, what our parents wanted for us and what our partners want for us and what our kids want for us and we, what we want for them and what we wish we'd had for us. You know, it's like we are so complicated. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is that complicated because Elijah and Moses were complicated too. So if Jesus is made up of them, like he is made up of this complication, of these frustrations, because the thing is to go back and to get frustrated with how people aren't able to do the thing that they should be able to do is just so Elijah of Jesus. It's so Moses of him because he is a mosaic, just like we all are. It makes me think of this last line kind of in a different light, just thinking about like, Tell, telling no one about the vision until he's been raised from the dead. Like until, it's like a very vulnerable act maybe for him mm-hmm. to reveal who he truly is to them. And it's not that he wants to safeguard that vulnerability. I think it's more that he wants to have that moment with everyone, that he wants them to help him hold open possibilities of experience for other people. So that pe- he, people aren't putting Jesus in a box and that he can just keep breaking their boxes. And I think that's what he wants for everyone, for all of us, that I'm not putting you and Greg and everyone that I know, I'm not putting you in a box because I'm, I'm keeping open the possibility for you to do something I'm not expecting, for you to respond in a way I didn't think you would, for us to have new possibilities in our relationships. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants the entire range of possibilities open to every person at all times in every relationship. Mm-hmm. And that is justice and equity, I think. Absolutely. In a a foundational kind of way. I love that it's not just like keep the secret for the sake of it being a secret. It's like, don't tell anyone about this because they all need to have this experience as well. And it means more when they have it themselves. And we can all have this experience all the time, but it requires us to be open to other people's newness. And I think we're all being made new all the time. And when we can create that space and hold that space open for new things... It requires us to be vulnerable, kind of like we talked about last week, to, to go into kind of reconciling conversations with this newness, this possibility for, for new things to emerge, even when it's hard and frustrating and sad, but it can also be joyful and, and hopeful. So, so just recognize that every person is they're made up of this whole history that has come before them. And, and I, I really love that, and I feel like it gives me 
compassion for myself and for everyone because we all have all these like just this like endless pinging back and forth of all these things inside of us you know and we're just trying to make a way forward with each other mm. and when we think about it like that it seems like how do we do anything how does anything happen it's kind of crazy it's wonderful because it's it it helps us have the imagination that new things can happen when we can imagine people we think we know doing new things other than what we imagined they would do you know then it creates new possibilities for the whole world and it enables us to see god in each other mm-hmm. right because like sometimes when we think that one person is only one thing it's very easy to hold judgment in that mm-hmm. Um, But if we can view them as more than that, then it creates that possibility to see God in them Uh as much as seeing God in ourselves. Uh And while you were talking, I, again, flashed back to this weekend. So many things will always connect back to a weekend after you've had it. But at the very start of the weekend, we were setting norms. And the Youth Leadership Council of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego planned and executed this entire event themselves. I mean, it was amazing, the work that they did. The first thing that they did in gathering these 59 individuals into one place was to set some norms for the weekend. And they did that by asking the community that was gathered in a circle what they felt was important for us to consider in being in relationship with each other. And one young person raised their hand and said that we need to remember that each person is bringing things with them to this. Uh from where they are living and what they have experienced in their family dynamic and all of those things, that they are bringing stuff to this as we relate to them. And so we were writing that down. And then another person raised their hand and and they added that they are more than the experience that they brought. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's your point. That's what Jesus said. Yes. I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. We should have just recorded the weekend at camp, it sounds like, and just replayed that as the podcast. I'd need a different kind of waiver. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of waivers. That's a lot of waivers. Okay. That is our two points for this week. Pretty much don't put God in a box mm-hmm. and don't put each other in boxes either. Mm-hmm. That's what point number one and number two. I love it. Having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your third point would have been for this week if you'd been a guest with us on the podcast. Again, we'd also love to hear about your God sightings and any of your questions, comments, stories from your week of faith discussion, reflection. Find all those ways of contacting us in the description for this episode. Next week, talking about Lent. That's right. So get your pancakes ready, get your ashes ready, and get your sackcloth ready because Lent's coming. (laughs) Goodness sakes, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone wears sackcloth during Lent, right? Is that just me? I think it might be just you. Okay, that's weird. (laughs) We'll be back next week to talk about the first Sunday of Lent in year A. Thanks again to Greg for the God sighting. Thank you, David. We'll be back next week. Until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. I'm going to save all this magic for later, though. Let's do it. it If you know what you're going to say, let's go. Yeah. All right, we're ready. Maybe we're not ready. Maybe we only think we're ready. <laughs> we're ready, followed immediately by, ah! <laughs> Makes me think we're not ready, but maybe we are. I don't know.